We are back. Welcome in to the 2022 season of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. We have a sponsor. We're presented by Cross Country Mortgage coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus and Gribbs. For the next 19 weeks, baby, we'll take you all the way up through the combine, through free agency, the draft, into OTAs, into mandatory minicamp, and then off for summer vacation, and then the 2022 season will be here before we know it. But before then, a lot to get to. Yeah, and I think uh, over the years, Best Podcast Available has evolved a bit. And I think when we started this, we made it solely focused on the draft. And I think it's now evolved. We can officially call this an off-season podcast. And that can include training camp if we get to that point. But it's it's kind of we fill the void when the Browns are not playing games. We have you covered on all that area. It's roster building. It's roster development. That, that's where we're, where we're at with this. Well, and we'll get into a lot of that today in Episode 1 of the 2022 Best Podcast Available as the Browns Vice President of Player Personnel, Glenn Cook, will join the program. Also, in her final game with NBC, she's on the call with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night for Super Bowl 56, Michelle Tafoya. We'll sit down with our special correspondent, Katie Prefer. That comes up later on in the podcast. But, Gribbs, I think we want to set the scene here for what comes your way over the next 19 weeks. There, there's a lot going on, um, and it, it, we're coming off a season that I think all of us are ready to move forward and not look back on. And – some things we're, we're going to have to watch. There's going to be a lot of things that happen with this football team over the next 19 weeks leading into training camp and the 2022 season already happening underway in this whole process, in this draft process, the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl already in the rearview mirror and you know, a, a good chance for the Browns to get maybe some inside information on some of those guys, especially with the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, this was this was an off season that obviously began a lot earlier than we thought it would uh, going into the into this season. But that's that's kind of the way it is, and I think it's good to kind of reset everyone's mindset on the off season because this is really your first what we hope is a normal off season since 2019. Uh, so this is kind of following your typical schedule. But yeah, you mentioned the East West Shrine game. This one. In my memory with the Browns, the most that the Browns have had involvement with, you had four coaches uh, on the Browns staff that were a part of that game, uh, kind of led by Jeff Howard, who served as a defensive coordinator uh, in that game. So they got kind of a hands-on look at a lot of prospects who may not be guys you know much about for the first two days of the draft, but but, but these are some people you may know day three, undrafted free agents, get, getting a nice look at those guys in a competitive situation. And then Senior Bowl happened just it kind of – they they kind of interlocked with how they 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 A went rarity. through that week, yeah. So senior bowl practices were going on as things were winding down at the shrine, the shrine game, and then the senior bowl game was on on Saturday. Senior bowl, you're going to have. A handful of first-rounders in that game, uh, most notably Kenny Pickett, the pick QB. I think he's going to be one of the top-drafted players who participated in the Senior Bowl. And then, really, I look at the Senior Bowl as your day two. Most of the – I would say a lot of those guys are get drafted on day two. Your, your second and third-round picks, a lot of quality players. Uh, the Browns have really tapped into the Senior Bowl year after year. I think it's no crazy thing to say they're probably going to draft at least one player that, that played in the Senior Bowl. It's just, that's just how the odds work. 
Uh, so a good, the kind of the last competitive situation that they see these guys playing uh, before they start doing workouts, combine, things like that. Yeah, and, and you'll hear Glenn Cook talk about it a little bit later, but a chance to see them in a different environment as they have to adapt on the fly. So uh, some good work and uh, some good film put out in the last week and a half uh, at the Shrine Bowl and at the Senior Bowl. What comes next? Three weeks from now, the NFL Combine will come to you live from Indianapolis. And hard to believe, but then the NFL calendar really gets going. Three weeks from now, you've got the Combine. Five weeks later, or five weeks from now, you've got free agency. And it just kind of evolves from there. But the NFL Combine is back. We're going to Indianapolis. It appears things are going to be back to normal for the most part. Ish. I think yeah. clo- as close to normal as possible. I mean, you didn't have a combine last year. That's the, <laughs> the that's a big difference to go into a situation. I'm sure I'm guessing the media setup will look a little different than it has in the past, maybe more like uh what you saw in Mobile with players kind of spaced out. You might not have the table gatherings with reporters leaning over guys' shoulders, but everything else it seems like will be pretty normal. Yeah. And we like that. Getting yeah. back to normal, uh a big important thing, I think, for the NFL, for the Browns as well as we get through 2022. So the NFL Combine, March 1st through the 7th, takes us to March 8th, which is that Tuesday after the Combine wraps up. Deadline day to designate the franchise or transition tags on a player. This could come into play here at some point, maybe maybe not with the Browns, but across the league, a lot of big free agents. This is when things are going to move. Yeah, that's why those those early free agency lists tend to not be that great because you see a lot of guys on that list who are either going to work out new deals or get tagged. And I think you're going to see a handful of those guys. I don't think the Browns necessarily have anyone that's maybe in that discussion. I could be wrong, but I, 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 it doesn't look like that uh, may be a possibility. So it, it's 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 something that will hap- happen around the league, some big names, the, the players that don't necessarily love the, the tag, they'll be put on it. But uh, and it just kind of lightens your, your load of, of free agents that are going to be out there for the Browns. Yeah, so March 14th, legal tampering can begin. The calendar year for the NFL officially begins 4 o'clock on March 16th. And frankly, a lot of free agents that the Browns are going to have to look to address. Uh, you know, Are they going to bring back players? Are you going to get rid of players? Are you going to trade players? And, and maybe guys that are on the roster currently that aren't even free agents. A lot of decisions to be made here over the next uh, six weeks. Yeah, I mean, you've got certain contracts, and, and, and like I said, you'll, you, you're probably going to hear in the NFL of some trades, uh, especially during the combine week. That's when the discussions seem to heat up, but teams can't officially formalize these uh, until March 16th. You look back, I think, last year, the big one was the Carson Wentz trade with the Colts. I think that leaked four weeks before it actually was, was finally announced, and then in the past you had the Alex Smith trade going from from the Chiefs to to Washington so some of these bigger trades can kind of be formulated during that time uh, but nothing official until March 16th but really that the March 14th is when you're start going to start seeing everything on Twitter with, or with with all these moves around the league but and then you've got that that 48 hours to kind of digest it and then then all of a sudden you're going to see some announcements for some teams yeah I, I mean the notable free agents for the Browns I mean Jadavian Clowney uh, Malik Jackson, Anthony Walker Jr., you've got David Njoku. Uh, Dearness Johnson's a restricted free agent, but a restricted free agent nonetheless. Ronnie Harrison, MJ Stewart, Rashard Higgins, Malcolm Smith. You've got some guys here 
some just big decisions coming for this football team, especially yeah. on the defense. And, and the advantage is you've got this window now where if you want to work out a deal with one of these guys, you can get it done and hopefully get it done before March 14th. So you, you, you get you're the only team that can talk to these guys uh, for, for this period. So we'll see what what transpires with that. I mean, I'm sure we're going to that's that's what the combine obviously is big about prospects, but it really turns into a kind of a free agency hot stove news session. And Andrew Barry's press conference, Kevin Stavansky's press conference, a lot of those questions are going to be about potential free agents. And I think that that's, that's where you'll start to hear about how negotiations are going, whether, you, whether you're optimistic, pessimistic, things like that. that that's where the combine will be kind of the reset button for the offseason. It'll be the first time we really hear from these guys since the end of the regular season. Well, and with the combine back, the other – the other thing that maybe gets overlooked, you know, we talk about prospects and seeing prospects and talking to them and working them out and whatnot, but it's back to in-person meetings with agents and front office people. Yeah. yeah so, the, the the discussions at, at St. Elmo's, you know, all the in other – In the back room. Yeah, the, the, all, all the things that can that you try to get done, it, it, that, that, that makes it more – just everything more normal. You're not doing these Zoom meetings. You're not doing it, it, a lot. Of, a lot of stuff can kind of happen in in-person uh, settings. So it, it'll be. It, it honestly will be a shock to the system after we've gone through free agency now two times during uh, COVID. So we'll see how this evolves. Maybe we'll get some guys in the building uh, to kind of do some stuff with them when when they come and sign with the Browns. So uh, just excited for it to kind of get started here because when you finish the season the way the Browns did you kind of want this stuff to get started even sooner than 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 when you had the season like last year it has been a long month of January yes it's tough it's tough <laughs> it watching is. these teams it's tough watching a team in your division go go to the Super Bowl it's tough because you realize that this was a team that was close and I think we've heard that from Paul DePodesta from Andrew Berry that they believe the the core pieces are there that there's just it, it's not there's some slight tweaks some things they know they need to address and that's where that's where you hope to get this done and so you don't have to go through another season like 2021. All right, so we move on to April April 18th. Teams can begin their off season workouts. Yeah, obviously the guys will be back in the building then at that point and they'll be here for roughly two months before they get dismissed for summer vacation. Uh, it's OTAs though, so it's voluntary. So we'll see who comes and <laughs> who's not here. But then that leads us right into the NFL draft, April 28th through the 30th. And, and Gribbs, the Browns with a lot of draft picks and, and getting a couple more uh, thanks to the league. Yeah, they entered this offseason with eight, and that, that included the extra pick in the fourth round from, I believe it's from the Lions. So you've got the Lions fourth round pick, which is a good one. That's going to be early in the fourth round. Uh, and then now you have an additional third round compensatory pick. That's going to be kind of in the – overall like maybe 100 105 range and that was because of uh Kwesi Adolfo Mensa going to the Vikings uh as a GM and then next year you will also have a third round compensatory pick in the draft it's it's uh, th these are not picks to be taken lightly these are these are picks that teams like the Ravens have stockpiled over the years by letting free agents walk uh, and now the Browns get one and so you've got nine total picks in this draft and like what the Browns did last year to get that Lions pick having nine picks allows you to not only make moves within that draft, but uh, further uh, fortify your stockpile for the following year. Cause that, that, that lion's pick that the Browns got uh, in, in, to acquire, that was a great, just incredible value to get that pick and, and just have it for what they had to give up. It wasn't much at all. So NFL draft wise will be here before we know it, April 28th through the 30th, some point in May, I think. The schedule release will come out, yeah. so we'll know Mash. our we, – we know the opponents. We just don't know when we're going to play them. 
and that'll come out in May. And then mandatory mini camp mid June, probably right before Father's Day, because that's usually the case. And then we're dismissed until the end of July and training camp for the 2022 season. So a, a lot to happen, a lot to get done. Um, still a few coaching uh, uh, positions to be filled, uh, a couple assistants, but the defensive line got to replace Chris Kiffin. Yeah, you got defensive line, assistant defensive line, and assistant special teams. So three three openings on the staff at the moment. You imagine those will be filled relatively soon, get it all in place usually typically before the combine is when all these teams have staffs locked in. I think you're kind of in a, a holding pattern a bit with the way the coaching hires unfolded in the league, just a really slow process it seemed like this year compared to previous years, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I think teams are being more methodical uh, in their searches, a lot more second interviews than you've seen in the past, but – once those teams get their staffs fortified, then it kind of all it's kind of a chain reaction. But kind of it, we're we're kind of in a holding pattern before those staffs got filled, and now, now you can probably make some moves here. Yep, definitely a lot to watch here over the uh, the coming days and weeks. Coming up in just a few minutes, NBC Sports Michelle Tafoya sits down with Katie Prefer. Right now, though, Gribble and I a chance to sit down with Browns VP of Player Personnel Glenn Cook talking draft talking combine, talking about, well, he's been a pretty popular guy in terms of other teams wanting to talk to him for their GM positions. We'll talk to him about that and everything else as the Browns get ready for a busy offseason. Have a watch and have a listen. Happy to be joined right now on episode one of the 2022 Best Podcast available by the Browns Vice President of Player Personnel, Glenn Cook. Happy, quote, off-season uh-huh. to you, which is the exact opposite of uh, the off-season, I think, in your world this time of year. Uh, how are things going? Uh, you've had a few uh, – you've had a, a busy month of January and into February a little bit. I have. Uh, it's good. We got our scouts in. I'm trying to, trying to have a normal process, which, you know, given the last couple of years is, has been different. So it's fun to have everybody in the building. We're in the draft room, you know, bumping shoulder to shoulder. I don't know if that's accepted, but we're doing it. So we're, we're, we're happy to be together. It's, it's been good so far. And, and kind of walk through walk us through kind of the what goes on this week and, and why this week is so important. Yeah, so the way, I, the way I would describe it is like the third leg of a four-by-one. So this is like the important stretch for us to really dig into who these players are. Our scouts have been out all year really doing a ton of great diligence. So now it's, you know, especially for Andrew, it's really important for him to get their perspective, hear their thoughts on the players. And then it'll kind of set us up to springboard into the combine and workout. So this is a big couple of weeks for us. So yeah, no, no question. It's a it's a big few weeks. I mean, we're we're three weeks out from the combine and five weeks from free agency. And you know, before we know it, the the NFL draft will be here. How do you go about it as a as the VP of, of player personnel managing the draft, managing the combine coverage, free agency? How do you go about getting all that squared away and everybody where they're supposed to be? Not doing it by myself, I'll tell you that much. I mean, we have a great team um, between Andrew Healy, Sags, um, you know, the direction of AB. Uh, we do a really good job of making sure our processes are clean. So when we get to these different checkpoints, we're really uh, hitting the things we need to. And so I think we're in a good spot. You know, but we'll be ready to go for, for both uh, sessions or seasons, if you want to call them that. So. Like I said, we're focused right now on getting the players evaluated, taking in all the information, and then we'll be ready to go in a couple months. 
And you guys are coming off uh, a big week last week with the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl. I'll first ask with the Shrine Bowl, how much of an advantage and, and how much do you guys tap into the fact that you had four of the coaches in that game and really worked? No, it was great. I, like, you know, I was able to pull Ashton or Jeff to the side before practice um, or talk to them around the meeting room, just say, hey, what's your perspective on this kid? You know, we kind of have some love for him or, you know, we're, we're not unsure about this. Can you dig into this? So I think it's super valuable. Um, you see that with the, the teams who coach the senior role. They often take a few of those players just because you do get a ton of uh, really good information. So that part was great, right, because it typically just happens at the senior role. So to have it at the East-West, have four of our coaches in it, um, it was it was really good for us. Now, you didn't – was the, was there a Shrine Bowl last year? Or was it canceled, I, I think, because of COVID? That's a good question. I don't – I <laughs> honestly – I, I don't I, think they did I the Shrine Bowl last year. I try not to think about last year too much. <laughs> Looking just, forward, not looking back. Forward thinking, yeah. So, how do you manage a week where you, you've got that bowl game on on a Thursday night? Normally, it's the week before, but with everything kind of pushed back on the NFL calendar, you have two games in one week, and who's going where? So it was really unique. Like I, I think Sags did a great job with this. Um, you think about it, the PA started that Monday. Really, our, our our scouts flew in that Sunday. I was a part of that group going to the PA. Then you're leaving the pier on Thursday or Friday, flying to the East-West. And then the Senior Bowl starting the following week, so you get a few days days at the East-West, and then we're flying to the Senior Bowl on Monday. So it was really clean in terms of how we scheduled it out. We do have enough bodies, fortunately. So, it, you know, we were covered, and, you know, I, I got lucky myself to see a lot of players um, that I necessarily didn't get to see during the fall and uh, get a good sense for them up, up close and in person. How much of a unique opportunity are those games, though, seeing those guys practice with – it's almost like an all-star game type thing, but those practices are like the real deal, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different level of competition, right? Yeah. You have a, a variety of players who come from different conferences or different levels, whether it's D1, D2, um, depending on the all-star game. So you get them in a different environment, right? It's not their, their comfort zone. You get to see who's competitive, you know, what type of drive they have. How do they handle the different uh, levels of adversity – throughout the week, right? You got new coaching staff, new plays. Um, you're getting taught different techniques. How do they transition from day one to day two? Because day, day one's always kind of funky, right? Like you're trying to implement the the playbook that you get at the All-Star game, but you're also trying to implement the technique and then showcase your talent, right? So how does a player improve from day one to day two? Does he make a jump? You know, does he get more comfortable? Do quarterbacks get a little bit more accurate? Just as an example. So it's it gives you a nice snapshot right it's not the entire player and you know we we definitely don't put a significant amount of weight on it but there's there's valuable information out of those games so much is made from a media standpoint of of the game itself but it really does come down to the days leading up to the games that that are probably the most important am I correct in that no it's I I think it's all of it right like it it really is all of it now you know in the last couple years not everyone plays in the game so you definitely get more of the media work done during the week. Um, and again, like I said, it's great to just see the guys compete. Um, you know they're not going to be perfect. Um, there's all type of situations and conditions that they're working under. But it's just good to get a, a purview of like, hey, we're dropping into a different environment with a high level of competition. Um, let's see what you do. And then moving forward to the combine, what what's what, what goes on behind the scenes here so you guys know what you're looking for when you go into so, Yeah, NBA. so right now we're starting draft meetings, right? So we'll, we'll kind of take in all the, the information as I stated before, and then it really helps us prepare and plan for the combine, right? 
you know, you're really only going to see testing. We'll get all that information incorporated into our decision making. But it's it's a nice snapshot for a couple of things. One, you get the medical information, which is important just to understand where they are physically. And then two, it's another exposure to them as a person and getting a purview into how they think or some of the things they believe. Uh, and then three, again, it's competition, right? So what are they doing on the field? What drills do they participate in or don't participate in? There's just a vast amount of things that go on there for us uh, in terms of evaluating these young men. So it's definitely a good, you know, 10 to 12 days for us. And I'll follow that up. You've been doing this for a while. Is there anything uh, that's that really long. I mean, yeah, enough time? Uh, I think yeah, I think you have a nice little track record <laughs> how, going here. How, how different is it going into this combine, however many you've done, compared to how you did it earlier? And what's most different about Yeah, so if you look dance? at the last couple of years, so right, like, you know, we had the two years of COVID basically where it's, it's kind of zapped it. And now we're, we're in this new world where there will be some changes. So there will be some adjustments for the teams and organizations, too, uh, in terms of how much access we have to the players. Um, there will be some changes to the drill. So, you know, we'll have to adapt, too. And mm-hmm. we always talk about it, right, just being adaptable and, and malleable to, to whatever happens because we still have to be ready to perform as a, as a group. So there will be some changes, but also there will be things that are the same, too. I know that some of the drills – at the combine yeah. this year are different. Um, do you do you agree with some of those changes? We'll see. And, and we'll how we'll see. Right over time, you 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 get a feel for how effective they were. I do like that the league and and you know the teams you know incorporated all the feedback and we need to grow. Right, like things change. We're playing the game a little bit differently, so you you do want to see if you can you know absorb or get some different information out of doing something. Uh, maybe a little unique to what we've done in the last couple of decades. And then when you're sitting down with these guys, is there a specific thing that you look for and, and something that someone else is looking for? How do you, what, what impresses you in those interviews? So I said a couple of things. So one, right, really it's our first time to get a first hand account of just who they are, kind of how they got to the university they got to and really um, what their experience was like. And then, you know, obviously there are some, some unique questions to that particular player that you, probably feel better about getting answered or at least hearing their answers firsthand. And then, yeah, there's other, you know, bits of information that our coaching staff can get or if we incorporate any of our, our uh, you know, auxiliary groups into assessing who they are as an individual. So, yeah, it's it's good. You want to you wanna get as much information as you can, right? Like w- the way we talk about it is you will not know who they are for the most part, walking out of a 15-minute meeting because they've been at the university for four years. So we're going to put a lot of weight on that. But there are bits and pieces you can get and answer maybe a couple small questions along the way. When you sit down with them, how much do you factor into the equation that they're completely exhausted on no sleep and everything like that that goes into it? You have to. I think sometimes that gets that gets lost in <laughs> terms of, uh, you know, they're interviewing probably 100 times, you know, versus maybe the one or two that I did. You know, maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, so, yeah, like, you know, they're not going to be perfect, you know, and we don't expect them to, to have a perfect, perfect exposure. But you just you want to get a feel. It's all for that part. It's, it's really like the feel and understanding who the individual is. It, it, it's a lot of work that goes into it leading up to it. When will you guys huddle up then as a group? Is it right after the combine? Is it? During the combine to figure out next steps while no, I the mean, combine's happening. Really, it's it's already laid out, and we'll make tweaks along the way. I think once we get through the combine, um, you know, our scouts really just sprint into to workouts. So there's really not a ton of time to plan per se. You know, they're they're good. Like I said earlier about adjusting on the run and being where we need them to be. 
Um, but really, we're, we're doing the planning phase right now just to make sure we can have a long sprint for the next couple months. And then when it goes into free agency, is it kind of like a parallel streams thing, or how do you guys inter- – how does this all intersect? No, I, do, I think we do a great job of, of really isolating the two just because of the timing. You know, free agency is, you know, mid-March, right? And so, you know, once we get through this part of our draft meetings, we'll kind of double back and make sure our plan is, is really tight. And, and clean in terms of free agency and and really have a, a full bore aggressive process there and once we close that door we move on to, to the draft and, and really our, our minds set on you know bringing in the right men and talent into this organization from from a development standpoint you personally uh, promoted to VP of player personnel in 2020 what's the one what's the one thing you've grown the most or learned the most? Has there been a piece of advice? Has there been something? I mean, you've been with the organization since 2016. I mean, you, you've seen a lot here. Yeah. And you, you've been part of the highs. You've been part of the lows. And, and you know, there's a lot of excitement. I'll around say this. this I would team. not trade the experience, and some people may not necessarily believe me on that. You know, my first year we were 1-15, and year 2 and 16 But I would not trade the experience because you often learn a lot more in failure than you do in success. It's easy. It's not easier to be successful, but it's easier to go through that. So I think um, it's kind of built up some callus across our group in terms of handling adversity and, and also appreciating the good times. Um, so that's one thing I've taken away from it. And then two, it's just really I've gotten the latitude to grow. Um, and, you know, in some organizations that's not the case. But here it's something we really push, and not only in word but in action. And so, like, I've been grateful that. You know, I've gotten the time to do it, which is one piece of it, but I've also gotten the uh, opportunity in terms of resources to do it. So that's just growth, and I'm still growing. You know, I'm still learning things every day in terms of how to, how to be the right leader, uh, how to be the right teammate, um, and really provide whatever, you know, assets the team needs in terms of me to make good decisions. So it's been good. It's been good. It really has. And, and, and Gibbs obviously mentioned the professional group. You had the opportunity to, to interview s- with some teams this offseason for mm-hmm. GM positions. How, how was that experience? And how is this, uh, obviously with Quasi going on to, to be the GM in Minnesota, how is this organization kind of set set up the platform for you guys to, to move so, up? Uh, so first I'll say congratulations to Quasi if he hears this. You know, like, <laughs> oh, he's a listener. Yeah, uh, he, listens, yeah, he, yeah. he needs to be. But uh, really excited for him. And it's funny because it's something that I think he and I have talked about a lot the last couple of years, just – like I said earlier, just we get the room to be prepared and grow um, for those opportunities at this at this organization. I, I can't say that enough. And so um, being able to spend time with two other teams, uh, I really took away two things. One, uh, just how scarce and rich those opportunities are. Like it was great for me. You know, I got to meet new people and, and learn some great things. And secondly, it's honestly, there's a couple of things I can work on. It's just like our, our players, right? Like, no matter how good or, or great you are, there's always something you can improve on. So I'm going to take the experience, take the learning from it, and, and try to be prepared if the opportunity comes up again. How's your hoops game? Hoops game is awful. <laughs> have not hooped, have not golfed. Oh, Kids but, uh, get in the way of this. Oh, man, I, I love the little guy. Yeah. He's, he's two years old. We got another one on the way. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, so perfect timing. I think it'll be the last day of OTAs. So better than uh, week seven on the first <laughs> one. So. He's got to time it as well as AB did. Oh, no. Yeah. God bless him on that one. <laughs> but uh, no, family's good. 
family's good. We're, we're enjoying Cleveland. Well, buckle up. Uh, the next <laughs> three plus months, four months, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a rat race, for lack of a better term. And uh, this front office has shown that they're ready to go, and in collaboration with a great coaching staff. Yeah. No, I mean our our, our coaching staff is been a pleasure to work with. I think Kevin makes it clear and easy for us. We know exactly what he wants and needs. Um, you know, everyone communicates really, really well. We challenge each other. I think it's, it's how it should be. Appreciate the time. Wish you all the best of luck. We'll see you out on the road. We'll see you in Indy. Let's go. Uh, periodically and uh, best wishes with free agency draft and, and everything that goes along with it. Continued success to you as well personally. And I appreciate it. Good, good being in the room with you guys. It's been a while. I know. VP of player personnel glenn cook here on the best podcast available all right michelle first of all let me say what an honor it is to be able to speak with you today you have been and always will be such an inspiration to women in sports and sunday night football just won't be the same without you oh that is so sweet thank you katie (laughs) of course with that being said super bowl 56 is on sunday but it's also your 327th nfl broadcast that's crazy. You covered everything from Monday night football, soccer, college football, the Olympics, basketball, and since 2011 have been the sideline reporter for Sunday night football with NBC. What are you taking away from all of it as this chapter of your career comes to an end? Well, that's it's a lot to reflect on. Um, I've enjoyed every event that I've covered as I've covered it. I've, I've tried to enjoy and soak it up while I'm in it. And I'm trying to do that this week too. Uh, I haven't, you know, it's so funny. I've asked the same question of athletes who are retiring or who have hit a milestone or whatever the case may be. And, and now I get, I, I used to always get tired of the answer. I'm not reflecting on it right now. You know, you're like, come on, just say, <laughs> give me something. But I am not really that reflective right now. I think I have so much in my life uh, outside of this job that keeps me busy and engaged and excited that I'm really just looking forward to what's next. And, um, you know, it's that number 327 is kind of mind boggling. Um, when I really think about it, because I think it's more than more games than Ben Roethlisberger played, you know, I, I, it's, I've been at it longer than Tom Brady was, which is kind of crazy. (laughs) So when I, when I think of it in those terms, I go, wow, I really have done this a long time, but really that's just um, broadcast stacking up and adding up. And so it's, um, I, I, I'm not giving you a great answer because I just don't have one because I just feel like it's all been so amazing and great and I'll never forget it. And it'll always be some of the most treasured times of my life. Um, but here we go. Super Bowl time. Time to hunker down and get ready and make the last one the best if we possibly can. Absolutely. Super Bowl 56, I just feel like has all of these different storylines with Sean yeah. McVay and Zach Taylor making history as the youngest coaching matchup in a Super Bowl. And we have two number one pick quarterbacks going head to head. How do you prepare for essentially the biggest sporting event of the year? Well, it's interesting. you all of the work that you've done up to this point sort of adds up exponentially. And so, you know, it's, it's crazy, but it's like when a team goes into training camp, they're installing an offense, installing a defense and, 
every week they put that to the test and they tweak it and they tweak it and they try to perfect it and they find other ways to to match up against other opponents. That's kind of like what this is. We, you know, and over the years, we've always tried to get better every single week. Sunday night football is a group of perfectionists and high achievers, and we are always trying to get better. And so, of course, you want to ramp up and make the Super Bowl your best one. But like a lot of teams find out with a lot of experience, if you make it bigger than it should be, you can you can fail spectacularly. You can cause yourself problems. So we're preparing a lot of the same way. Um, we've, we've only had the Bengals on once, and it was a wild card game that our crew, Al, Chris, and I did not do. So mm-hmm. we're not, you know, this is going to be an interesting type of preparation for a team that we don't really know that well, the three of us. So we've been really getting into the video and really getting into the research on that. But for the Rams, we've covered them a bunch. Uh, over the years and, and Sean McVay's Rams in particular. So we know that team very well. Um, so it is just kind of remembering to take a deep breath and say, there is such thing as over-preparation. Uh, we come close to it, but you know, you got to remember that the game is the star of the show. And once it kicks off, you got to let it happen. Pick your spots of where something is going to fit in, if it's worth fitting in. And um that's really that's really about it I mean yeah that's that's amazing I feel like a lot of people would think there's all the obviously there's so many intricate details that go into it but just even hearing you say to make sure not to over prepare to be honest I'm sure Sean McVay and Zach Taylor are telling the their players the same thing so and they they are we just met with Sean before I came on with you and that's something he he said he wanted to remind his players about yeah, it's the biggest game of your life. We get that, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to, it's still football. Uh, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. This is not the time to do that. And let's just stay even keeled, have fun, embrace the process, enjoy the fact that it is the game. And, um, but you know, prepare like we always have, uh, do the work, do the work exceptionally well, which we all try to do on Sunday night football. And then go play the game. Are you feeling any certain type of way with this being your, your final broadcast with Sunday night football on NBC, or are you kind of just being like, okay, it's, you know, it's just another broadcast. A little of both. Um, after I talk to you today, uh, later on, I'm going to go have dinner with Alan Chris, our producer and director, Fred Gadelli and Jurassicoff and uh, a guy that's been with us through all these years, um, the guy named Vinny Rayo. And, and we're just having our own little dinner to kind of, in a way, get ready for all of the parting of the ways. You know, um, Al is leaving Sunday Night Football. I'm leaving Sunday Night Football. Our producer is leaving Sunday Night Football. He'll be involved in a tangential way, but he's, he's moving on. So this is the last for a bunch of us. And, um, we're going to miss each other. We're a family. And so tonight could get emotional, but then after that, it's like, uh, the other part of what you said, go work the game. Like you always work the game. And I'm going to be so busy right after the Super Bowl. It's not like I'm flying off to Hawaii and go lie on a beach for a week. I'm going to be really busy. And so there's not going to be any letdown. And I think that that's keeping me uh, kind of on the rails, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say, I think you do deserve a little bit of a vacation. So <laughs> I hope you find time to squeeze that in. We'll um, figure it out later. <laughs> perfect. So I feel like the people at home watching obviously only see what's on their TV, but is there a memorable moment that stands out to you that happened off screen, whether that's a blooper you know, you were talking about your relationships with your the Sunday night football crew. Maybe it's memories with them. Maybe you almost got tackled by Miles Garrett or somebody, another big football player. I don't care what it is, but is there a specific moment that comes to mind right away? There are so, so many. Um, the best times that we have as a group are probably, I mean, we love being on the air. We love covering the game and it's fun and it's exciting and it's you know, every moment matters. But the times that we're together on a, in a van ride, going to a practice and then coming home or coming home after a game and just sort of debriefing and laughing about our mistakes or laughing or just reliving the plays. Um, those are those are great. And it's been that way for so long that there are just so many of them. I mean, we just have we, we've traveled together so much. It's been incredible. And um, so, you know, there have been many times where we've done a Thanksgiving night game and then jumped on a charter plane together, just six or eight of us, and flown to the next Sunday location. And those flights can be a blast, you know, depending on how things went, those flights <laughs> can be a blast and they can just be so much fun. Um, Mike Evans, the big receiver for Tampa Bay, uh, ran right into me in, during the, right before the divisional game, they were on the field. We were trying to rehearse. And so my back was to the field, which it never is. And, and Mike ran right into me. And I remember thinking, wow, what just hit me? And uh, turned around, it was Mike Evans. He's like, you're okay, right? And I said, I'm fine. But I thought, imagine if he were really at full speed, he was just running around. Imagine if he was a safety who was, you know, going to just kill the opposition. So it, it kind of gave me this taste of jeepers. That's what it's like. That's craziness. Um, I've done a lot of running around chasing coaches down at halftime uh, to, to get them to talk. That's always just craziness. I remember chasing Tony Roma once. We wanted to make sure Tony was going to play in a Dallas game. And I don't remember what, I don't remember where we were, but it wasn't in Dallas because it was raining out. I think it was Seattle. And I had an umbrella and I'm running as fast as I can and it dawns on me this is pregame that the umbrella is creating all this drag like you know if you try to run with an umbrella it's creating drag and it slows you down so I just let go of the umbrella and then started sprinting after Tony Roma well the following week our camera people had caught that whole sequence from oh, one of the no. high cameras and showed it in our meeting and it was it was just absolutely funny <laughs> and um, I'm glad it never made it public but it was it was funny and uh, so, you know, it's just, I don't know, silly things like that, that probably aren't that funny to anyone else, but they were really fun for us. Absolutely. Other than, you know, making sure you're, you're all, your head is always on a swivel and being careful of those umbrellas, do you have any other pieces of advice for any woman in the sports industry that helped you become so successful, but also stay so confident over the years? Well, I would say for any woman, any man, any human, remember that you are you and to be as authentically you as you can. If you, you can't, you might get somewhere 
trying to be like somebody else or trying to act like somebody else or trying to sort of affect, you know, just sort of have an affectation that makes you seem like you're more confident than you actually are inside. If you're not that confident, if you're a little nervous, it's okay. You can mask it, but you, it, don't make it, um, don't overcompensate for it and try to be something you're not. I, I remember when I first got into this field, which was a long time ago, and there weren't that many women doing it. But I said to myself, I'm not going in this to be a woman doing sports. I'm going into this to be a journalist and to cover sports that I love. And so I'm going to go compete that way. I'm not going to think of myself as a woman in a man's world. Like everyone wanted to pigeonhole it that way. Mm-hmm. That's why would you put that hurdle in front of yourself? Just go compete your ass off, excuse me, with whoever is there. Just go compete and do the job the best way that you can. And I'd say that to a, a male, a female, and anyone else in between that, you know, just you have to be authentically you. Go work on being a pro and being the best journalist you possibly can. And, and don't let the other part, don't put hurdles in your own way. Yeah, incredible. And I'm definitely sitting here on the edge of my seat, listening to every last word, because like I said, you have been just such an inspiration. I've grown up watching you. You're part of the reason I'm sitting here doing what I do regardless. So like I said, Sunday Night Football is just not going to be the same without you. But I'm so excited to see all the success that you have in this next chapter. Thanks so much, Michelle. Katie, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks to Katie Prefer and Michelle Tafoya from NBC Sports for her time and all the best this Sunday night in Super Bowl 56. Gribs, Super Bowl 56, last Sunday for football for quite some time here. I know. We got to get a little taste of it this past Sunday, and I was a lot more productive during my day. I mean, like the the championship weekend just ruined me. And then that with the previous weekend with the incredible slate of games like I didn't watch all of it but it was always top of mind I just it made me check my phone less it was kind of freeing but then now it's going to be a, a long long time and I don't even Super Bowl Sunday to me is like not like nor, a normal football Sunday so it doesn't I feel like it, we've already moved past like football season now it's like this is just a unique weird one-off it, <laughs> you know it's not like the rest of the the, the season yeah it, it will be uh it will be a different Super Bowl than yeah. we've had in the past simply because of who's playing yeah. in this Super Bowl. I'm excited. I mean, I, I think it'll be fun to watch. I think I like going into these matchups with kind of no idea who's going to win. And even though a lot of these other Super Bowls, someone else is one that you didn't expect. But this one truly enters as like a no clear favorite type of game. And I, I think that that bodes well for the Bengals. I mean, they, I think that they're going to be in a good spot. And I it doesn't make sense objectively maybe to from a just matchups and everything, but the Bengals are having kind of one of those season. Of They've defied it for yeah. three weeks now. Yeah. They haven't really played even great in these playoffs, but they just find ways to win games and that's, they just have to win one more and then the, the improbable will happen. As we get ready to wrap up quick takeaway from Glenn cook. I mean, it was just great, really insightful stuff. And I think that it's interesting to hear how there's just kind of these parallel streams going on with free agency and draft but they do kind of intersect in some way and as much this this organization the last couple of years with Andrew Barry has talked about free agency doesn't affect the draft we're all about long-term sustainability building the roster the the right way it just so happens that the last two years though they've filled a huge need in free agency tackle the first year safety last year 
you wonder, does that follow with wide receiver this year? But that's a dangerous path to go down. It, it's one that some some teams, maybe the Giants, are regretting their, their decisions with big wide receiver free agent signings. But if, if it's the right fit, you wonder if, 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 if there's a position that you can hit in free agency that maybe takes the pressure off a little bit in the draft. We'll be back with you next Thursday and every Thursday from here on out for the next 19 weeks taking you through the Cleveland Browns offseason. Thanks to Glenn Cook, the Browns VP of Player Personnel. Thanks to NBC Sports, Michelle Tafoya and Katie Prefer. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work back on the show again this season. Thanks to my partner, Andrew Gribble. Thanks to Cross Country Mortgage, live here at the Cross Country Mortgage campus here in Berea. If you like this podcast, like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.